If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'd be opening with me to the book of Exodus in the third chapter, Exodus chapter number three. As we just sang, there's some things that you need to believe about the Lord. And as you know, just as we've talked a little bit about people's perspectives from the United States of America these days, we're probably going to be playing another video this evening in the 6 p.m. service to demonstrate the great ignorance that our young people now have towards the history of the United States of America. Uh, there's a lot of alternative facts that are being presented to them. And, of course, there are so many things that can distract our children today from learning the truth about what the Scripture declares. And, of course, knowing the truth about where we as a country came from. Those who came to this country originally came because they had a great desire for religious freedom. They didn't want anyone telling them how they were to worship the Lord. They didn't want anyone telling them when they were supposed to baptize their children. They wanted a free country where they could choose for themselves. And we as Baptists have never tried to infringe upon that in any time in history. We believe in what we call the priesthood of the believer. That means you will stand before God and give an account for what you believe. I will not give an account for what you believe. Me as a pastor will give an account for how I led the church. I will give an account for how people conducted themselves within the church. But I will not give an account for what other people believe. You are, a, you, you are going to stand before God on your own and give an account for your beliefs and for what especially what you did with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is impossible knowing the history of America and considering the great sacrifices that our veterans have given without being grateful to them for all that we have been provided because of their sacrifice. I do recognize that the freedoms that we enjoy today in this country directly link back to our nation's forefathers who battled for the cause of freedom and fought against oppression. Having been a student of the Bible all of my life, there are many pictures of the great sacrifice, of great sacrifices made by people in the scriptures that should require at times like these our consideration. We've turned to Exodus chapter number three, and as you know, one of the spiritual forefathers of the Bible was named Moses, but many people do not understand how Moses ever came to be in the land of Egypt. Now, one thing we try to encourage people about as far as their families and their children is that you as a parent are responsible to religiously educate your child. No one else is going to do it for you. If you put your child in public school, they will not teach your children anything about the Bible. They're going to teach them things that are opposed to the Bible. Even if you send your children to a Christian school, a Christian school is not responsible to religiously educate your child. It is a parent parents' responsibility to religiously educate your child. One of the things that is a great detriment towards children and learning today is a lack of church attendance and also the distractions that are given to them at a very young age. Parents should consider how young they should allow their child access to something that we call the internet. It is stealing our nation's youth and their innocence from them. 
I'm sorry, but you're looking at an old-fashioned pastor and preacher, and I'm going to have grandkids one day, and I'm going to want my grandkids to be raised in a similar fashion as to how I raised my own children. I did not give my children a cell phone at the age of seven. They did not need it. It gives the devil an opportunity to get into their heart and in their minds. And so many things are popping across the screens of computers and cell phones these days. Your kid needs the Bible more than they need an Instagram account. Your child needs the Bible more than they need a Facebook account. And I'm going to get to preaching before I get anywhere else. But I'm just here to help you. If you're a child and you're angry at me today, good. Good. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to tell you the truth. There's too many preachers out there today who are trying to tickle the ears of the people who come and they don't speak the truth. What we should do is guard our children. We should protect our children. We should love our children. And we should do everything we can to instill in them the truths of God's Word. The reason that I was a student of the Bible from my youth is because my parents drugged me to church every time the doors were open and they made me participate in programs like Awana and Master Clubs. They made me memorize scriptures. My parents said we had devotional times at the house on occasion, weren't as regular as maybe they should have been. But my parents were very concerned with me learning what the Bible had to say. And it was very important for those truths to get into my heart, just as it is today. You say, well, pastor, I haven't studied the Bible all my life. I grew up in a non-religious home. I, I didn't know anything about the Bible. The songs we sang this morning, I've never sung them before. I never knew that the United States of America had soldiers singing the battle hymn of the Republic around a, around a watch fire in a camp. In the, in the middle of the 1800s. I never knew that. Keep coming to church. We're going to try and keep teaching the same things. You could also learn about these things in the scripture, in, in your homes. We're just trying to encourage you. The church comes alongside families to try to help with the religious education of children. And perhaps you were raised, or you were not raised around the things of God. You can learn about the things of God. Your heart can be drawn to those things. And you know that some people, may they be getting a little nervous because the pastor already was a little unfriendly. He said, I'm not here to be your friend. I want to tell you this. You don't run away the sheep of the Lord God by preaching. You draw the sheep of the Lord by preaching. If you're drawn away from this, there will be a hundred other churches with fog machines and neon lights and rock concerts for their song services that will make you feel good and you'll never hear anything convicting at all. But when you come to the Lord's house and one of the Lord's churches, this is exactly what takes place. And if it has occurred to you that maybe I've been out of the pulpit for too long, you're right. I've been sitting around preachers for weeks now and... I'm totally off my notes, which is actually a good thing. <laughs> my parents made me a student of Scripture. In the book of Genesis, there's a man whose life takes up a majority of the book of Genesis, from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. His name was Joseph. We should all know the story of Joseph. He was the favorite son of his father. He was hated of his brothers. He was betrayed of his brothers and sold for money right in front of his own face. They sold him for money and sold him as a slave. And they eventually took him into Egypt. In Egypt, he was falsely accused of rape and he was imprisoned. And eventually he was freed and made second in command of the country of Egypt. And then God used Joseph to deliver countries from this great famine. He used this famine to draw the children of Israel, God's people, God's chosen people, the Jews, into Egypt. 
They were severely punished there. After the death of Joseph, a, a new Pharaoh arose that didn't know the children of Israel, and he began to scheme a way to keep control of these slaves that were in his land. He was threatened by how powerful they were becoming. He was threatened by the multitude of people that were being born to these people, and he wanted to keep them enslaved to him. And so after seeing the great growth and strength in their population, this new leader in Egypt developed a wicked scheme to keep them as slaves, and he set over them hard taskmasters. But there was a God in heaven who was watching. And there is a God in heaven who is watching today. There's a lot of things that are going through the news these days about the land of Israel. I'm just here to tell you God's chosen people are still the Jews And I am here to tell you that I love the Jews. My Savior was a Jew. My Savior came from the Jewish people. The Bible says all the families of the earth were blessed because of a Jewish man named Abraham. And your family is blessed today if Jesus has visited your house. And oh, that the Lord would visit your house today. In Exodus chapter number 3, when God got tired of watching these Egyptian taskmasters beat his people, he came down in a burning bush and spoke to this man named Moses. And he said in Exodus chapter number 3 and verse number 14, you know, right in verse 13, Moses, it's like, if I go back to these people, who am I going to tell them sent me? And in verse 14, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Now we know that the great I am of the Old Testament is Jesus Christ of the New Testament. Many times in the book of John did the Lord himself say that he he said, I am. In one particular case, he literally said, Before Abraham was, I am. This is a man who wasn't born until the New Testament. But Abraham, he said, I was before him. Yes. The same God who called Moses in Exodus chapter number 3 and said, I am, is the one who has sent you. What what is this I am? What what does this mean? It means I am the one who is, who was, and always will be. The whole world is dated around the existence of Jesus Christ. But before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Jesus was already existing. Jesus was existing at the very beginning of time. When the Bible says, in the beginning, God said... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was there in the beginning. He didn't become veiled in human flesh until he was incarnated as the son of Mary. He was the son of man, but he didn't, his existence did not begin in Bethlehem. The same one that said, you tell them I am sent you, is who Jesus was. Jesus embodied God in human flesh. John chapter number 1 tells you all about him. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. If you've seen me, remember Philip? He said, Lord, show us the Father. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was the visible manifestation of God on this earth. And by the way, Jesus Christ was hated. With the same vitriol that the Jews are still hated with today. How you have people singing on the news media praises of people who went in and beheaded little babies. Where does that hatred come from, Satan? That hatred comes from Satan. And that hatred isn't something that is born in the heart of those that follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're, they're spiritual. 
So the, in John chapter number one, the Bible has much to say. If you know, if there was ever a person who was wanting to study about who Jesus was, I would tell them to go to the Gospel of John. There's a myriad of people out there today, and they, they deal with things like hopeless, hopelessness and emptiness. There's probably not a week that goes by where, where we don't hear of some tragic situation where sometimes an older person or even a young person has taken their own life by something we call suicide. Who, who, who is it that fills men's and women's hearts with such hopelessness to where they would take their own life? Satan, our great enemy. But if you read the book of John, you'll read about Jesus Christ, the light of the world, who came to this earth because he loved you and wanted to give himself for you, that if you would put your faith and trust in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. In John chapter number 1, it talks about the witness that came before him, speaking of John the Baptist. He was bearing witness of that light. You know, if you read John chapter number 1, it should be very plain to you who embodies grace and truth. His name is Jesus Christ. In verse number 14, the Bible says of John chapter 1, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In verse number 17, the Bible says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Several times throughout the book of John, we'll race through them, Jesus said something that he was. He said, I am. He said, I am. In John chapter 6 and verse number 30, 35, if you're here in the book of John, just flip over a few, a few pages. You say, I don't have a Bible. Well, it, there could be a pew Bible that's in front of you. They look like this could be in front of you or behind you, even if you had to get one of these Bibles at this point, there's no shame at all, because when we come to God's house, this is actually our textbook. You know, all these kids today go into schools and they don't have textbooks anymore. I want to tell you what you need if you're going to learn how to study. You're going to need to read a book. I want to tell you what you're going to have to learn if you're going to get to know God. You're going to have to read a book. It's not about reading street signs and, and, and license plates. No, you're going to learn about God through this book. Many people think they're going to know God based on what they hear from other people. No, you get to know God based on what he writes to you in this book. That's why it's a glorious thing. When you take the Bible and you open it up, you say, but I don't know all the books of the Bible. Keep coming to church. We might teach them to you. The 66 books of the Bible can be learned by the time your child is in kindergarten and first grade. You say, 66 books? How could a child learn that? A child can learn the books of the Bible before they can even read. A child can learn verses from the Bible before they can read because people are instituting and educating them. The Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So if you're in the book of John in the sixth chapter, right around verse number 35, one of the things that Jesus said about that, he said, I am. He said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 6 and verse number 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You know why the Bible says this, that Jesus is the bread of life? All of us knows what bread is. I mean, this this is so simple. Even a child, when they come to years, would know what a piece of bread looks like. You know, I I, I have forsaken uh, the gift of bread because I am now a diabetic. I have to say no to almost all breads. You know, I was the guy. I was the guy at Outback Steakhouse when they brought that heavenly loaf of warm pumpernickel brown bread that I would say, bring me a second before I was even done with the first. Bring it on. And you know what I was doing to my body? I was abusing my body. 
And so for the first 40 some odd years of my life, I loved bread, but now I can't eat bread that much anymore, unless it's keto. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You ever been hungry and somebody gave you, you know, they're, they're, some of you, there's something strange about you when it comes to bread. You like that crusty bread. You know, you, you, you bite into it and it ends up all over your clothes. Not for me. You know what I liked? I liked a warm, soft piece of freshly made bread. And I liked some, I didn't, I didn't want no margarine now. I had margarine when I was young and when I, I didn't know any better. But when I came to years, I put away childish things and just started using the butter. I thank the Lord for the butter. And I didn't go light on the butter. I mean, if you ever saw me make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, there was a lot of jelly and there was a lot of peanut butter. It was a thick sandwich. In Texas, they call it a sandwich. I'm trying to get off probation. I'm trying to get there, but I'm, I'm working on it. But I want to tell you something, when I grabbed that butter and slapped it on that bread, I wanted there to be so much butter that when I took my first bite, it would end up all over my mustache and all over my beard. And if you're not hungry just yet, don't worry, you're, you're going to get hungry because my preaching can make you hungry. I'm hungry right now. I don't eat breakfast on Sunday mornings, but I can't wait till I get home and eat today. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, if you're hungry, if you're hungry for salvation, I'm your bread. You've got to receive that just as I'll receive something and put it in my mouth and it ends up somewhere where you can't see it, but it's now inside of me. That's the same way as you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is to be received by faith. He's not to be tried. I saw that girl with her bumper sticker, the one, try Jesus. Jesus never said, try me. There's a few things in the Bible where it says, try me. One of them's tithes and offerings, Malachi chapter number three. But Jesus isn't a drug. Jesus isn't a drink. Jesus is to be received. Jesus is to be believed upon, to be taken as your own. That's how we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, as we would take a piece of bread, as we would take a drink of water. Have you ever been thirsty? I remember when I was on the roof uh, tearing the shingles off. I, you know what? I, I, I don't put shingles on, but I can, I can do a great job taking them off. And they put me on a roof one day, and I'm going to tell you something, in Illinois, it, it, it gets hot up there right around August or September. Not as hot here, uh, not as hot as it is down here in Texas, but if you get up on a roof in August or September, you're going to know what hard work is like, and you might find yourself getting a little bit thirsty. And they had me up there with what they, what the, you know, one of those little roof rakes is what they call them, and I was tearing shingles off, and I got to a point where I felt like I was going to pass out. I was thirsty. I needed a drink of water, and that drink of cold water just satisfied something in me. That's what Jesus said. If you come to me in the matter of salvation, you'll never thirst. I'll quench your thirst. That's my Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8, a couple times where Jesus said, I am here. In John chapter number 8, in verse number 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The Bible says, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I'm so thankful that the light shined on my dark soul. I was walking in darkness and Jesus interrupted my way. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus, you know how he brings light to your life? The word of God. Mm -hmm. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you love God's word? Yes, Many people, they don't love God's word. They neglect God's word. God's word should be a daily part of your life. It shouldn't collect dust on your, uh, on your table. You say, Pastor, I don't have a Bible. I'm here to solve that. I'll give you a Bible. There's, I'll, I'll, pay, I'll pay your way to get a Bible. 
You say, somebody's struggling with this or struggling with that, would you please send them a Bible? The best thing that they could ever have is a Bible. You know what they used to issue when people joined the military? They issued them a Bible. You know what they used to have in almost every hotel room in the United States of America? When they opened up a drawer in a hotel room, there was a Bible there. You know why? Because the Bible is important to our lives. Jesus said, thy word, or the scripture says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He says, I am the light of the world. Jesus has come to bring light to your life. The light shines in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. If you read about what the Bible says in John chapter 3 about this light, don't reject the light, come to the light. You know, sometimes when you get out of bed in the morning and it's dark, what happens when you turn that light on? Oh man, it's a little bit bright. And sometimes when you look in a mirror, when it gets bright in the morning, you don't like what you see, especially those of you that have hair. But Jesus is the light of the world. He'll bring light to your life. He'll teach you how to live. Jesus also said in John chapter number 10, and we'll come back to John 8 in just a moment, in John chapter number 10, and in verse number 9, Jesus said, I am the door. Uh, This room has several doors. We got doors over here, and we got doors over there, and we got doors in the back. There's doors all around this building. When the police officers came and thought somebody broke into the church because the pastor forgot to turn off the alarm, they searched all the doors to this church. Just a few. Now, this is different. This church is different than when you're talking about salvation. You know, in the Old Testament, there was the Old Testament tabernacle. Do you know how many doors there were to get into that tabernacle? There was one. Because that was a type of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the only door. You can't go to heaven another way. I was speaking with somebody this week as we were, as we were on vacation, and boy, once they found out that I was a minister, they just started talking to me about all their religious beliefs and very interested in what they had to say. And I had someone tell me not long after I told them I was a minister. <laughs> I believe there are many ways to go to heaven. Not according to the scriptures, there's not. Jesus said, I am the door. There's no other door than Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get in. Other people can climb up another way or come in some side way, but there's only one way to get to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ, through believing in what he did on Calvary's cross to save you from your sins and receiving him by faith. Jesus said in John chapter number 15 that he was the true vine which speaks of the life-giving presence that Jesus did. In John chapter number 10, in this very passage, Jesus not only said that he was the door, but he said that he was the good shepherd. Everybody needs a shepherd. Not everybody has a shepherd. Psalm chapter 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. But not everybody can say that the Lord is my shepherd. You know that's a shame of it. You go to a funeral and you read Psalm 23, where David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And yet there are people who sit in church week after week who have a Bible in their hands. They can't say that the Lord's the one leading me. The Lord's not your shepherd unless you've received him as your savior. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. The Bible calls him the chief shepherd, but he needs to be received by you. Jesus said in John chapter number 11 that he was the resurrection and the life. We're going to get into that in just a minute. He said that he was the resurrection and the life. What is this resurrection? You know, after life, or after this life ends, there is a second life. There is another life. There is life after death. No, 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 Pastor. I I was taught that when I die, I was taught that unless I'm one of the 144,000 that I might come back. I met a guy one time who told me he was going to be a cow. (laughs) 
said, who would ever want to believe that? If you believe that you're going to be a cow when you come back, something's wrong. I also want to say, if you don't believe that you should eat a cow, something's wrong. Perhaps something else going in the ministry a little later. Thank you, Jacob. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the way. There's not multiple ways. There's one way, Jesus Christ. I am the truth. You want to know what truth is? Get to know Jesus Christ. He is truth. He is the truth. He is the life. There is no other life outside of Jesus Christ. But not only does Jesus say I am here, and some people stop their sermons on the I am because they, they, they forget about some of the things written about later in the scripture about the Lord. Revelation chapter number one, if you flip your Bible back there, the Revelation is the final book that was written. And today as we close, we're going to read a few things that the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ from the book of Revelation. Jesus said... You know, it was John who was on the Isle of Patmos. He was exiled there. History tells us that he may have been boiled in oil. You realize how painful that would be to have boiling oil and have your body dipped in it? But he loved the Lord this much to give us this account of what Jesus said to him in Revelation chapter number 1. And a few things in Revelation chapter number 1 that it says about the Lord. He says this, and it's the same as we read in Exodus chapter number 3, where the Bible said, I am that I am sent me. You would read in Revelation chapter number 1, in verse number 8, Jesus is talking to John. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. Jesus Christ was existed before. Jesus Christ was existent while he was on the earth. Jesus Christ's existence never was snuffed out. Jesus Christ still exists today. He is the first and the last. He's the beginning and the ending. I suggest you get to know him today. Jesus Christ is everything. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Again, he repeated that in verse number 10. If you notice, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's the first day of the week. Today, Sunday is the Lord's day. It's a day that's separated for the worship of the Lord. They took up offerings on the Lord's day. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 2. Here John from the Isle of Patmos was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And the Lord comes to him and he says, I am, verse 11, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book. And of course he sent these letters to the churches and to the pastors of those churches, these seven real churches. I do not believe that the books of Revelation and the seven churches that are mentioned there were figurative. I believe there were literal existing churches at the time and the Lord had something to say to each of those churches. So not only does he say that he was the Alpha and the Omega and the first and the last which is repeated a few times in Revelation chapter number 1. He says in verse number 18 I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore. 
You know Jesus Christ is alive today? Yes, sir. There are many people who trust in Muhammad and they trust in Buddha and they trust in Confucius and they trust in all these other, in Gandhi and all these other religious leaders of the day. But we could take you to the graves of all of those men, but not Jesus Christ. His grave is empty. He was he that liveth and died and he is now alive forevermore. You realize you can't get saved unless you believe in the resurrection? You can't get saved unless you believe in the resurrection. Also recognize here what Jesus says in verse number 18. He says, I'm alive forevermore. Here's another thing you can't get saved if you don't believe in at the end of verse number 18. And have the keys of hell and death. Say, oh, pastor, I don't believe in a place called hell. Well, Jesus did. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he's got the key to, to that. I got several keys in my pocket. This church has so many keys to doors that they, they get me confused. Oh, Daniel, he's got, he's got a group of keys. I promised myself I'd never be the key man. He's got a keys that jingle. There, there's so many. I get confused when I see several keys. So I got this little thing called Key Smart. I got eight keys in here. And here's the most important one right here. It unlocks my office and unlocks most of the doors of the church. When I say most, I mean that. Most of the doors in this church. This was supposed to be a master key, my friends. Somebody, somebody failed. Somebody, and nobody in this room, but this key don't open several doors. There's a bookstore over here. It don't open that door. Several of you Sunday school teachers, you got keys to a room. The pastor don't have a key to that room. But I was told this was the master key. I want to tell you something. Jesus, he's got the master key. He's got the keys of hell, and he's got the keys of death. I want to tell you something. When you come to the one who was living and who died and now is alive forevermore, and you say, Lord, I want you to take me to heaven when you die. I know I'm a sinner. I'm not the perfect one. I'm not the righteous one. You know, you're going to talk to a lot of people today in the United States of America, and you know what their problem is? Their problem is they are filled with pride about how good they are as a person. I didn't curse that much. I didn't steal. I didn't do any of those really bad things. I want to tell you something. The Bible says there's none that do with good. No, not one. The Bible says that your righteousnesses are as, as a filthy rag in the sight of the Lord. There, you can't get saved unless you get humble. You can't get saved unless you recognize you're lost. And there's some people who come to church, they've never, ever been lost. You know, you can't get saved unless you recognize you were lost. The writer of the, the song Amazing Grace, he wrote about it. We sing about it. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You can't get found unless you know you're lost. You know what I knew when I walked down the aisle that day I got saved? I knew I was lost. I'd never been saved. It happens at a time in your life. It doesn't happen gradually or over time as you get religiously educated. It happens what, what, when you have an experience with the Lord. It's called being born again. Jesus said you must be born again. Being born again takes place when you acknowledge that you're a sinner. When you acknowledge there's no other way to heaven but Jesus Christ. And when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's when you get born again. That's when you get to know this man that has the keys to hell. I want to tell you something. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. He came to save you from that place. And I want to tell you, when I got saved, I knew I was heading there. I knew that without Christ, I had no escape from hell. Jesus preached a lot about hell. Read Luke chapter number 13. He said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. 
Jesus, Jesus wanted people, he wanted them to understand that he was the only way that we could escape that. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ, the good news is, is that he paid it all. He paid for every sin you ever committed so far. He paid for every sin that you ever will commit. And if you come to Jesus Christ in faith, even as a little child, he promises that he'll give you salvation as well. We were talking about that a little bit this morning in Sunday school. It doesn't matter if you've been an alcoholic all of your life, Jesus can save you. It doesn't matter if you've lived a sinful life and you've lived in fornication and adultery and lust and all different kinds of sins, Jesus can save you. If you'll come to the Lord and recognize that you are lost and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you too can be saved. I am. Jesus said, I am. Have you come through that door? Have you accepted the light of the world? Have you received that bread of life? Have you received that cold drink of water for the salvation of your soul? Have you ever come to the Lord humbly and said, oh, Lord, I'm lost? You can't get saved until you do. You say, but I'm not that bad of a person. I mean, compared to some and probably to your parents or your brothers and sisters, if they were anything like mine, you probably weren't as bad as them. I've got, I've got some siblings now. They were much worse than me. Now, come on, people. I'm, I'm trying to add a little levity to the sermon now. That's not actually true. They were sinners. They were. I might have even learned from my older siblings how to sin. But you know the day I got saved? Nobody was worse than me. I was the chiefest of sinners that day. I was the one who was apart from Christ. I needed to be saved. I want to hear, I'm here to tell you, Jesus, the Bible says this, that this is a faithful saying for everybody to receive, that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. He came here to save you. He doesn't want you to die lost. You say, Pastor, I... I don't have peace with God about this issue of salvation. I'm here to tell you, if you don't have peace with God, Jesus can provide you peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He can bring peace to your heart. You say, how? You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you received this great I Am? I'm thankful today. You might not have to know all these doctrinal issues about the Lord Jesus, but one thing you do know if you get saved is that He died for your sins. And that you're turning to him and you're believing upon him through what he did on Calvary to save you. He offers forgiveness full and free to anyone who comes. Jesus said, come unto me. Have you come? Have you come? Have you come in faith? He, the Bible says further in the book of John, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus doesn't take a repentant sinner and say, nope, come back some other time. Jesus welcomes with open arms. It's almost like a barn where there's a, a cow about to uh, give, uh, uh, give birth to, to, to its offspring. You know, that farmer will go in there and he'll make everything ready. I'm going to here to tell you something today. If you know that you're lost, the Lord's made ready for your birth. He made ready for your birth of the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you've heard the message of the gospel. If you've never been saved, would you be saved today? And if you've come to the Lord's house today and you're, you're just heavy, heavy laden, you've got stuff going on in your life and you need help. I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is a friend to people. He'll help you if you have a broken heart. The Bible says he's close to those that have a broken heart. There could be somebody here today and you need to bow the knee before the Lord and say, oh God, my heart's broken, but I'm trusting you. I want, Lord, you may have a need in your life. You say, oh, I want, I want to be blessed somehow in this life. I, I, I need this or I need that. Some people, you know, it's not bad to pray for a job if you need a better job. 
It's not bad to pray for a companion. It's not bad to pray for things to be right in your life. Maybe you need to bow the knee to the Lord and say, oh, Lord, I'm trusting you. I want to tell you something, Jesus. He said, I am. Who could you better take a request to than the Lord Jesus Christ? He knows it all. He owns it all. He has all the answers to your problem. Won't you come if the Lord's spoken to you today? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we stand together, we'll have our musicians come and we'll prepare for this verse of invitation. Maybe God spoke to your heart today. There could be people who are needing to come because they need to be saved. And I want to tell you something. Don't you let anything hold you back. You say, I'm in the middle of the aisle. Oh, get, people will get out of your way if you say, excuse me, just come on through. And you say, oh, pastor, I've come to the Lord's house today. I've got a heavy heart about a brother or a sister, my mother, my father, my neighbor. The altar is open, dear friend. It says, my son is away from the Lord. My daughter's away from the Lord. There's a God here that could hear your prayer. Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. He can help you with that problem. As Brother Earl sings the first verse of Have Thine Own Way, if God has spoken to your heart, you come.
presence this morning and for tarrying with us, for giving us your undivided attention. We sense the Spirit of the Lord around the house today. God may be dealing in hearts, and the invitation around these parts are never closed. That means we invite you to be saved. We invite you to live for the Lord. And if you need to talk to us about any of those things after the service, we're here for you because that's what we're here for. And uh, there's sometimes people get very confused religiously about whatever's going on in life. You may have been taught something a little different. Uh, but we know this, that the Bible sheds light about these, these issues. And if you believe the Scripture, everything will be well in your soul. Amen. Tonight we have services that will begin at, uh, uh, services will begin at 6 o'clock. I have, for some reason, I was given a bulletin. And I've already put it in my Bible, and it has been misplaced. Can you believe that? How many times can a person misplace a bulletin? There are several announcements that you needed to make yourself aware of. Brother Bob, you are so good. Jacob brought me one, and now i got a second. Is there basketball night tomorrow? Five o'clock for men and boys. Oh, no, we got, we got class tomorrow. No basketball tomorrow. There's a TTUS class, which is our, we have a, a seminary here at church. And uh, Brother Wayne Hudson is going to be teaching on the minor prophets. We invite you to come. That, go, that runs this week. Um, I think it's Monday through Thursday. Is it th Monday through Friday? Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, also, there is a mark your calendar for for Master Club's class next week. I don't know how many of you folks have ever seen what we would call a turkey bowl, but you are going to see it in our gym. This is where we take frozen turkeys and bowl with frozen turkeys. Just the children, they're scored. We'll give prizes out. If you've never bowled with a frozen turkey or seen it, you adults are going to be so excited to see this. Coming soon to a church in Fort Worth, the Turkey Bowl activity with prizes, activities, and snacks. Uh, don't forget, we're having a pie and praise. You say, I, I don't know what a pie and praise is. That's where we bring pies to church and we praise the Lord while eating pies. How could you have any better of a time than that? Now, I don't know what the favorite pie around here is. Who's got a favorite pie to eat? Pecan. Go ahead. What do you mean, pecan? Is that how you say pecan around these parts? All right, I just want to make sure that she said it right. Brother Chester, what he, what'd you say? Apple pie. Peach? Peanut butter pie. Oh, we are getting, we are getting hungry. How about, how about the Thanksgiving classic? Pumpkin pie with a lot of whipped cream. A lot of whipped cream. Yes. <laughs> I, thought, I thought me and Brother Drew were on the same level, but apparently we're not. I can't even see the pumpkin after I'm done with a pumpkin pie. I got, I got white all around it. It's just something that speaks to my heart. It's almost like having an Oreo without milk. I can't eat Oreos anymore, but when I did, you have to have milk. So, some of you are not spiritual at all. There's no humming and hawing. There's no murmuring or nothing. <laughs> Pie and praise. Mark your calendar. Tuesday night, November 21st, 7 p.m. Bring your favorite pie. Sarah Evans, bring a keto pie, please. 
Ladies Christmas party, December the 2nd at 5 p.m. Bring food and a gift. There's also stuff going on for the children on December the 3rd and a church Christmas banquet, which we'll be having on the 16th. We'll give you some more announcements on that. We're very thankful to be in the Lord's house today, and uh, we appreciate you being here. I'm going to call on Brother Jeff Evans to come up on the pulpit with me. We're so thankful that he came back from his cruise in one piece. And uh, we're praying this month that we might be able to put some meat on the table. Brother Jeff, go ahead and word close the service in prayer, please. Father, it's been a great day to, to be with you, to praise you, and to see from your word just again how Jesus is everything. Jesus is salvation, the bread, the, the water, everything we need to, to be right with you, to be able to go to heaven and spend eternity with you. and. I thank you so much for it, Lord, and I pray that you would just work in our hearts and draw us close to each other, to you. I pray that you'd bless each and every visitor that's with us today. I pray that you would get glory in this church. Help us to be pleasing to you in Christ's name. Amen.